0: Hello tile friends! Welcome back to another episode of Tile Money, the podcast where we discuss the business of being a tile contractor. My name is Luke Miller. I'm a licensed tile contractor myself here in the state of California. I have started this podcast with the hopes and goals to assist you grow, maintain successful, profitable, and sustainable tile installation businesses. The National Tile Contractors Association has made this podcast possible. This episode is sponsored by Latacrete International. Now today I have a solo episode for you. I have four or five bullet points that I want to talk to you about. First of all, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what's new with me, what's going on, what happened this week on my job, etc. I want to ask you, do you have a marketing plan? Do you entertain new ideas? Are you too comfortable where you're at in your business? How about this one? Do you view other tile contractors as competitors or allies? That's going to be an interesting one. (laughs) So before we get to the meat of this episode, I have some industry news. And this industry news is sponsored by the national tile contractors association and they say in an effort to promote the trades to a large audience on a national level the national tile contractors association has committed to joining the generation t trades program developed and implemented by lowe's home improvement ntca is joining with over 60 other brand partners to work to change perception of the skilled trades and make young people aware of the opportunities that exist in the construction field and the tile industry. NTCA members can have access to create their own online portal on Generation T, helping them to connect with candidates in their geographic market with a growing network of training providers and employers. NTCA hopes to support Generation T efforts to speak with school counselors and curriculum developers to add tile and flooring training into shop classes and courses into schools and join national efforts to promote the skilled trades at career fairs and more. For more information, contact Becky Serbin and you can email her at becky@tile-assn.com. At and I will have a link to her email address that you can copy and paste in the show notes on YouTube, and, and should be inside all of the podcast apps where you're finding this episode. Now, this is a, seems like a very important thing, um, seems like a very positive thing. We all know how dire we, we are these days for, for help, for good help, for kids wanting to learn the trades in general. And so what a, what a good effort this is, and I, I'm interested and in looking forward to seeing how some of you take advantage of getting into this program and getting involved. We have to get involved, friends. If we want to see changes, we have to take steps, and I'm interested in learning what you're doing. All right, so what's new with me? Well, this week was another uh, fun week. Um, been working on my tile job and had a couple delays with the painters. Etc., we've been installing 18 by 36 inch porcelain tiles on the floor. And you know, uh, I wish I had included the price to install these. I wish I had raised my price so that I could have afforded a larger saw, a bridge saw, or maybe a, um, a 50 inch dry cutter like a Sigma or some other name brand that I respect. But I didn't. And so I struggled with my DeWalt saw. And so this kind of got me thinking, you know, uh, do you include the price of a new tool if you don't have that tool, but it's required for that job to make that job run smoother, easier, more efficient? I mean, here I am on my DeWalt saw struggling with these 48-inch uh, tiles, wasting time, sometimes wasting tile because I, it's hard, you know, it's difficult. You can only get it so right. If I had included maybe an extra $1,000, I could have purchased a, another tool. And, and I think it would have sold, I could have sold the job, and if I had thought. So I wanna encourage you friends to have a budget for the tools that you need to get your job done right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I recently posted inside uh, GTP that if you don't have enough money for the knee pads, that you need to be comfortable and save your needs, you're not charging enough. And I use pronies as an example. And now this was just an example. I'm not a pronies salesman. I don't even own a large pair of pronies. I used to. Uh, I think my big feet. I have size 13 feet. I think they just don't agree with that style of knee pad. I currently wear the the shorter ones, the small pronies, and that you know sent me back about 100, 120 dollars, I believe. But friends. I was thinking about other trades. I mean, my wife is a professional. I know other professionals. They go into their profession and if they don't have what they need, they just go get it. In the tile trade, it seems like people will struggle for years and years and complain about knees. And I'm not necessarily talking to anyone in particular, just in my 18 years of being in this trade. Um, but then they'll go and see a 40 or $50 pair of knee pads or a or $150 pair of pronies or whatever the cost is at this moment. And they'll scoff at it and they'll say, well, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) You know, and and, and then even me, you know, I'm guilty of this too. You know, like I said, I'm sitting there struggling with my dual saw when I should have just purchased the bigger saw or the dry cutter, the snap cutter, whatever you slang, you want to call it. I apologize, friends frog in my throat this morning here. It's been foggy here on the coast of California, and I guess that brings in uh, the throat frogs. <laughs> so, so I think you get the point there. Um, but it is an interesting conversation to have with a fellow tradesman. Uh, it's two polar ideas, two polar opposites. Uh, the question of whether I should include the price of a tool in my uh, invoice or in my estimate for a job if that job requires a certain tool I don't have. I tend to lean more heavily and, and feel that yes, you should uh, include the price of a tool for that customer, because oftentimes that customer is gonna re- reap the rewards. And even though you might go on later to make more money with that tool, that customer was the first one to reap the benefits of you having that, that specialty tool. I believe that in, in almost all cases, this is a fine thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. If you don't have a tool and you've been, I mean, if it's day one, obviously you don't have any tools, but if you've been in this trade you're a contractor and and somebody, you know, presents you with a job and you need the tool, yes, build that into your price, get the tools that you need. And by all means, if you're not, if you can't afford the safety equipment that you need, raise your prices. Now this job in particular, um, I feel like I might've, I feel like I did underbid it a little bit. Um, not terrible. Uh, it was about a thousand square feet of flooring and I bid it at $13 a square foot and it was over slab, but I, uh, I had quite a bit of work to do with, uh, Ladecrete deck mud 3701, which is a high performance deck mud, which you can go, uh, pretty thick and then down to zero burned in with 254. So, it's, uh, I think it's $45 a bag I was purchasing it for. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, friends. I'm terribly sorry about that. And I believe I, went, I burned through about 15, almost 20 of these bags on this job, as well as uh, three, three five gallon uh, of the Hydroban for, for crack isolation membrane. So, so, there was a substantial amount of materials, uh, not to mention a quality thin set and some labor involved as well. Now, I didn't come out terrible, but I, I I feel like that job, maybe I could have bid it a bit higher. And this might be shocking to some of you, because I know some of you might come in at seven. I mean, seven, eight's the going rate around me. And I, it doesn't seem to matter if it's a hundred feet, a thousand feet, uh, if it's 12 by twelves, six by sixes, 48 by ninety six is it doesn't seem to matter everybody Everybody's price is seven, eight bucks, and it's like it never changes, and so I'm jealous of the guys north of me up in Oregon who start out at 15, and you know i I do specialty remodel, like one shower at a time. It's rare that I get a floor this large. I, I wouldn't have even taken it, but there was an additional thirty thousand dollars worth of uh of showers, three showers and a kitchen splash in this house. So I went ahead and took the whole job as a whole and you know I I had a crew at the time but what happened was I didn't take into account this builder has a lot of delays on this job I mean I was supposed to be wrapped up here back in April and it just was delay after delay after delay so that's also an irritant in my life and my business schedule so that's why I say I underbid it not because necessarily I, I miscalculated the days. I kind of came out pretty much installing this in the amount of time I thought it would take. We also used Ardex FL on that job, the grout. We almost lost that grout. The sun came out. We were, I picked a foggy day to grout, but the sun came out and my helper spread about 200 square feet of this stuff. And it was exterior tile with a, a really heavy texture on it. And that FL grout, man, that really stuck to those tiles. And we almost lost the whole, the whole job. Uh, we were definitely hustling there. And I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack for a minute just because of the, the situation. <laughs> All right. So another new thing that's going on is I'm organizing a softball game on June 29th of 2019. So in about three weeks, we're gonna be having a, a tile softball game. What we're gonna do is we're gonna to get together. I'm gonna to cook you some food after the softball game, and then I'm gonna record a podcast episode with a few of my friends. That's gonna be a roundtable discussion on the business of tile. And most of these guys are mud guys, so we're gonna talk about mud work probably. And uh, so that's gonna be fun. So look forward to that episode. If you're in the area, uh, Morro Bay, California, feel free to come on over here, uh, hit me up on social media or whatever uh, 805-265-9595 is my cell. You can text me. Um, let me know if you're interested in coming on over and, and joining up and being on one of the teams, uh, or just hanging out, talking tile. Uh, another new thing is I'm going to be having a, a Facebook live podcast episode. So this will be different. It's new for me and we'll see how it goes. I want to test the water, see if the connect connectivity is, is solid. And what I, what we'll do is we'll have a 20 to 30 minute episode, uh, interview, and then we'll spend 10 to 15 minutes or however long it takes answering any questions that came up during the, the Facebook live. And I'm planning on that as soon as tomorrow. So Saturday, the the 10th or whatever it is. All right. Do you have a marketing plan friends? Uh, why should you? Well, (laughs) every business needs one, right? So do you have a plan? Do you have a budget to mar- for your marketing? I want to encourage you to build a budget into your business model from day 1. If you're early, if you're young in the in the business, I know it's easy or it's, you know, the the you know, the the easy thing to do is to say, "Well, I'll do that later when I'm making some money." The problem is, you're never going to you're never going to catch up. You're never going to, you know, you have to build it in from day 1. And I'm talking about a percentage of your revenue for marketing. You have to, you have to build in these things. Okay. I'm going to take this percentage out for taxes. I mean, that's just, you know, please do that. You know, for one, I'm going to take this percentage out for for X and Y and Z and then I'm going to take this, you know, and, and typically what they do, what they recommend is start with 5% is the minimum you should have for, for a marketing plan. So if you're selling, uh, let's say you're selling $3,000, uh, Let's see here. Let's say you're, you're selling 60,000 a year in revenue. Your budget for that would be 5% of that would be 3000 uh, divided by 12 months would be uh, 250 a month. So if you're, if you're selling about 60,000, uh, in revenue, you're, you know, you, it's your first couple of years here. You want to you know, be putting a couple hundred dollars into this marketing plan a month. And I'm talking about things like t-shirts. I'm talking about your logo. Um, the way you present yourself, the way you market yourself to the public, do you have a website? If not, this is a a beautiful thing to, to get, and that can be part of your budget for this. And this $3,000, you might have to spend it all in one setting some years. And in other years, it would be better, of course, to, to spread it out. And if you want to be more aggressive with your marketing plan up, up your price, 10% would be a little bit more aggressive. Other companies are doing more. So I want to encourage you to, to think about that. Now, when it comes to marketing and doing things like this, if you, are you the type of person that sees someone doing something different than the way you've done things for 20 years and you scoff at it? Or are you the type of person that asks why? Why does Bob use a different thinset than me? Why does Jim say I should be using modified thinset? Why is Luke talking about marketing? Why does Tom have a website? You know, and these are just simple things, but, but the general thought here is, you know, be curious and ask why. Maybe there's a reason somebody's doing something other than the way you do it. And maybe you can learn from them. And this, this is true even, even in different trades, you know? And so that's why I wanna ask you, do you entertain new ideas? And I'm not asking you to jump on on the ship. I'm not asking you to, to change your lifestyle or change your business. I'm just asking you to entertain new ideas. At least meditate on them. Think on it, ponder on it. You might decide it's not for you. But before you get on the soapbox and put somebody else down about something that they're proud of and something that they've done in their company, Maybe you should stop, take a week and entertain that idea and just think about it because what we can do, friends, is we can look to other trades and other businesses for fresh ideas. If you're out of ideas, you don't know how to market, you don't know how to do these things, you don't know how to get past 100,000 in sales. Look to other trades and businesses and you might be surprised at what you learn. Real estate can be a very good business to look at because those People who are successful are marketing kings and queens. Those people are are pushing themselves and selling themselves every single day. And if you think the tile trade is is uh, saturated with tile contractors, realtors have it equally as tough, if not way more difficult. Because it's not that hard to get a real estate license. I have one myself, if you can believe that. Now, uh, throw a what are some weird ideas? Some crazy ideas. Here's a couple. You could throw a community party for, for a certain community, your, your city and uh, you know, barbecue for them, have a kid's day, you know, have a softball game like I'm having So have something unusual that would attract the community and make it about the community. Have your big, have a big sign on the, on the awning where you're going to be cooking your burgers and people are going to be eating and on the tables, have a tablecloth made with your logo, you know, Everybody knows that uh, Tom Jones uh, tile installation company put on this community event. What a cool thing. Now, of course, this is going to be a cost to your business. And you know what? Sometimes you can also share that cost. Call up your painter buddy. Call up your electrician buddy. Call up that general contractor, that architect, that designer. Say, look, six, eight, nine of us are getting together. We're going to split the costs. We're going to plan this community thing. Three months from now. Are you in or out? It's, you know, I've done, I ran the numbers, you know, I've, we need 20 bucks ahead. We're expecting 500 people or whatever. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there now. But you get the idea. Think creatively and collaborate with people. Now, uh, you could do something simpler and freer, like start a community Facebook group. How about a DIY site? You know, uh, Marysville DIY. How to install tile, and, or how to you know do construction projects and invite your construction friends. Don't let any other tile guys in. <laughs> I'm just joking, but but seriously, you own that Facebook group, or you could uh, do some some networking on Nextdoor or Facebook. Like I mentioned, you could just simply volunteer your time for community cleanup. Wear your local t-shirts. Um, maybe purchase some some bags with your logo on it or whatever I don't know you could start a podcast hey there's an idea <laughs> you could talk about what's going on locally in your area and this way you you can attract local people to hear your your podcast and guess who sponsors it Bob Jones tile you could start a DIY tile uh, YouTube channel or an IGT IGTV channel or even if you own a physical location like my friend Euless, you can start a, a DIY center in your showroom. Attract people in on the weekends. You're gonna hold a DIY class, how to properly build a shower. Why would you teach people how to build showers? You're trying to sell them. You know what? Most of those people aren't gonna build a shower, but they sure wanna know how. Okay, are you too comfortable in your tile installation business? Sometimes, friends, if you wanna grow, if you want to get to the next level, you have to get uncomfortable. A lot of us are, are small contractors, and I get why. Uh, the trade lends itself to, to one, two, three-man shows. It, it really does. I understand that. And I also understand it's comfortable, right? It, you know, you can make a good amount of money, and if the work stops, take a couple of weeks off, it doesn't it's, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable way of life, staying small. It's uncomfortable and painful to push yourself to grow. And I'm not saying we all have to grow. We don't all have to have large businesses. Like I said, the trade lends itself to one man installer shows. There's always going to be a market there, but you can grow in other ways. You don't have to, growing doesn't mean you have to add people to your company, but it certainly means add revenue or profit, right? Because if you're staying small, and I believe most of my audience is, what would happen to you if something happened tomorrow that forced you to stop working for a month, four to six weeks? What would happen to you? Think about it, friends. It's, a, it's an uncomfortable thought, isn't it? <laughs> but see, being uncomfortable is gonna force you to maybe realize you don't have a savings account. And if you do, congratulations. You're, you're among the few, um, you know. So staying small, I would encourage you to charge a lot. If you're going to be a one-man installer, charge a lot. And that is uncomfortable, isn't it? Because how do you justify charging what the big boys charge when they have all this overhead, they have all these employees, they have a salesperson, they've got three trucks, four trucks, whatever the case might be. How are you going to justify your prices? Well, I would encourage you to work on your sales, and I would encourage you to charge a lot, because guess what that money is? It's not for you to go blow. That's your insurance plan, friends. Tile friends, charge a lot because you need an insurance plan. Staying busy and never stopping working is comfortable. Are you comfortable working six and seven days a week a lot of us get into this habit we've talked i've talked about this before a lot of my guests have talked about this as as men a lot of times you know we we like just to stay busy we we kind of you know there's a word for it workaholic you know we kind of get into this routine it's comfortable and i get that too i really do i mean it's you get into a routine you get into a rhythm and and it's uncomfortable to stop it's, it's awkward to take a vacation, to step away. It's awkward to have two days off sometimes if you're into that six-day mode, seven-day mode. It's awkward and uncomfortable. But it's not going to do you any good because you're staying busy and and your whole life, people have been telling you that you should stay busy. But I believe this is a, a fallacy. I believe that this is a, an unfortunate programming in our our brains. People tell us, how's business? Busy? Oh, yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm staying busy. And they say, well, that's great. Business is great. Good for you. Business is great. The economy is great. You're, you're staying busy. Now, this might be true. It's good to stay busy. But are you just running around in circles? Are you staying busy for, for no reason? Because see, see what I mean by fallacy is, is it, it's not necessarily an inclination that that your business is good it's not the best indicator it's not the certainly not the only indicator and, and but because because we've been programmed to believe that busy is good i mean the economy is good and i i, I personally am am shocked the economy is so good and yet people's prices are, are are so low i'm shocked and i'm scared and i'm worried for all of you what's going to happen in, in a few years when the economy takes a downturn because because our prices are still so low. I, you're going to lower them even more? I mean, you don't have a savings account. You You don't really have a profitable, sustainable business. And these are the good years. I mean, these are the years that we've been making money. These are the years that we've been busy. I mean, things are good, right? So I want to encourage you to get uncomfortable. Push yourself to have thoughts like this. Push yourself to really ask yourself, How is my business health? Can I can I afford a loss? If I had if I had an accident, can I afford a month off? Can I absorb some mistake? Could I rebuild a shower? I mean, those are your. I mean, this is what we're doing. You know, I don't care how long you've been in this industry. At some point, you're going to come across something that's a risk. It's a huge risk. I mean, installing glass tile is a huge risk. Installing. Uh, plank tile, you know, I mean, I don't know so many different tiles, marble, whatever. It's just all a risk. I mean, most of it's a risk these days, isn't it? I mean, come on. So that's my rant on, on the comfortable thing. So don't, don't get too comfortable friends. Now how about tile contractors in your area? Do you view other tile contractors as, as competition? Or do you view other tile contractors as potential allies? And I want to encourage you to view them as allies. I want to encourage you to, to make friends, to be friendly at the very least and, and know who they are and, and have hold conversations. Um, you might shock yourself and, and make a really a new friend, a true friend, right? Now, uh, do you attempt to do this in your, your tile supply rooms, you know, tile tile supply showrooms or whatever you want to call them? Why would I, why would I say this? They're your competitors, right? I mean, you know, you don't want to get too friendly with your competition. Well, this is not a good, this is not a good attitude. This is not a good attitude. This is, this is terrible. Uh, you want to have as many friends in this industry as possible. It's hard enough, you know, uh, Let them know the reason why is, you know, if you're, if you're staying in touch, you can talk about things. I mean, you can talk about business, um, you know, you can share maybe tips, business tips, installation tips. Um, you might want to ask them if they know any helpers, if you, if you're in a spot where you need a helper or another, another tradesman, another, um, installer, another mechanic, right? You might want to say, Hey, do you have any leads? I'm looking for work. They might say, you know what, I I do. I can't hire this guy, but I I wish I could. Here, here's his number. Uh, Also, uh, one thing that I've experienced is when a job or I'm just too busy or the job's a little bit further than I want, knowing who's in the south of me and who's in the north of me and knowing that I can refer uh, a lead that comes on the phone to this contractor that I have a lot of respect and admiration for, knowing that I can refer my potential customer to them uh, it reflects good on me um, and certainly builds that relationship with them and and is a good it's a win 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 because i instead of just saying, Nope, I can't get to your job, miss. I'm six months out. I can say, You know what? Call Jim and John and, and Jerry and see if they can because I trust them and I, I'll give them a high referral, and when the when the customer hires them, they remember that Jim or John or Jerry did the work. But they also remember that old Luke boy gave them that referral, Miller Tile, and they'll remember that possibly. So, so here's a couple things that that might help you to look at that a little bit more different. Um, there's another thing. There's another bonus that might come, and and this is just this is just maybes, you know. I mean, possibilities of making friends, and you know, down the road, you might find yourself in a situation where you do wanna hire a a mechanic. Potential, you know, don't, and that's why I say don't box yourself into one category. If you're small today, I mean, don't box yourself into that category. I mean, you might be comfortable and and the business might be good and you might even be charging enough to, to, but you don't know to stay small. You might be charging enough to stay small, but you don't know what your thinking's gonna be in six months, 12 months, 18 months, 46, 36 months. You don't know, you can't see the future. In a couple years, you might decide it's time to replace yourself or you might have that situation comes up where you have to replace yourself or you might find yourself enjoying the sales side, the business side of the business and you want to grow. If you've been you know, making allies and making friends with other tile contractors, you can tell them, look, I'm, I'm looking for a tile installer. I've got a great position. Um, it's top pay. These, this is the pay. Um, they might find you one, like I mentioned earlier, there's another, there's another thing that might happen. And this is a real thing that happens. (laughs) I'm not making this up. They might say, Hey, Hey Luke, you know what I've been thinking? I'm really tired, man. I'm really burned out. I'm working seven days a week here at night. I work on estimates on the weekends. I, I, I work on invoicing. I might want to come work for you. Can we have that conversation? And because you know them and you already respect them as a tile installer, it might be a no-brainer to uh, to kind of partner up. I mean, they might become your employee employee. And this has happened, like I mentioned. Uh, if you go back and you listen to the Dirk Sullivan Hawthorne Tile uh, episode, he mentions how this exact same scenario happened in his business, and he didn't expect it. He didn't. He was shocked when somebody said, why didn't you offer me the job? He said, well, you're doing your own thing. You're a successful tile contractor. Why would you wanna work for me? And, and his friend uh, said, because I'm done, man, I'm burnt out. I wanna come work for a good company and it worked out beautifully for, for all parties involved. And, and so go back and listen to that or trust me on this one because this is a thing that happens. So don't box yourself in. Don't view other tile contractors as your competition view them as your allies. And I could really go on and on about this. I could, I could but, but I'm going to stop right there because I, I, I believe you understand what I'm saying. I hope you do. Now, uh, that's all I have to say for this episode. Um, we do have another edition of the tile money tips with Ron Nash. We've been discussing negotiation tactics, specifically what Ron calls the dark arts. Now this is, um, this is counter tactics. So when somebody's negotiating with us, what do we say? And there's a, there's a something that almost every customer says um, at some point or other in our career, we're going to hear this. I shouldn't have said every customer, but at some point or other, we're going to hear this saying, and that's take it or leave it. You might be trying to sell a backsplash and you might want $1,000 for this backsplash. That customer might say, I've got 600 cash, take it or leave it. What are you gonna do? How do you counter that? Well, that's all they got. I mean, I guess I gotta take it, or I gotta leave it. Or is there a third option? Let's listen to this tile money tip with Ron Nash, sponsored by Lady decree International.
1: Here's another one. Take it or leave it. You ever had anybody just say take it or that's the price, take it or leave it? Take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here's the thing in America um a take it or leave it tactic is offensive right so understand that if you ever use a take it or leave it you will be damaging your relationship in some way it makes you look crass it makes you look like you don't care um it, it just it's it's basically it's a really bad bad situation yeah. so um so what i like to do as a counter tactic is a brutal tactic um, it's super risky for long term relationships. It makes you sound aggressive. Man. Not good for not good for continued deals. But if it happens to you, I defi- I definitely use some of the tactics that we talked about before. All right, I use the bogey against the take it or leave it. If someone okay. says I'm going to use the car lot situation again, somebody says, "Hey, I'm going to sell you that Jeep. It is you know, look, it's it's thirty eight thousand dollars. Take it or leave it." Yeah. I will use a bogey against that. I will say, well, all I have is twenty-eight thousand dollars. Okay and shut up. You'll be surprised how that take it or leave it moves almost immediately. Yeah. All right. Um, or that's so I use a tactic against a tactic. If you see what I did there, I used a mm-hmm. bogey as a counter. All right. right. Um I I'll use straw issues, right? I'll fill the pot. Okay, fine. I'll buy you thirty-eight thousand dollars, but you've upgraded my My tires, my rims. You're going to give me this. You're going to give me that. You're going to so I so I make the deal so that net net, if I do spend that amount of money, I feel like I'm getting more out of it. Yeah. yeah. So there's I use that tactic of uh, that I just taught you. Yeah. All right. Another one that I use is the flinch. You know, hey, it's thirty eight thousand dollars. Take it or leave it. American dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, you're talking in rupees. (laughs) okay so i will monopoly money (laughs) yeah what is this monopoly money am i going to be able to pay it off with beer what are you talking about here i will i will start out like that just to just to get people laughing or or even smiling to get them to open the actual deal okay sometimes it is a a true take it or leave it and if that's the case then you're going to have to back up and decide whether you want it right and then this next Next thing, which I don't think I've talked about yet, but it's in here, and I think it's really, really important, is littering the lawn.
0: Yeah, I was now, looking at this, wondering what, what this was. <laughs>
1: okay. Littering the lawn is also an aggressive tactic, and it's a lot of fun to deploy in a friendly situation. Littering the lawn is, the, is becoming the bad girlfriend that brings up all the crap that you've ever done in the past. Okay. Okay, so, for example, if I had a if I had a bad relationship or a a, a rocky relationship with a general contractor and I had a position where I could litter the lawn, I'd go, look, dude, first I'd flinch. American dollars. Are you kidding me? You you want me to take this contract for five thousand dollars lower than it should be? I mean, give me a break. And then yeah. here's how I'm gonna litter the lawn. Here, let me break down the last five jobs we've had together. First of all, the temporary power wasn't wasn't ready until yeah. four days later on job before the you know the the dumpster situation's a nightmare on a job that's two blocks away. You're you're always late. The block box is never open. You never you never pay on time. Blah blah blah. You see how I'm doing? I love that, it. That's called yeah. littering the lawn, and what that does to a buyer and to a seller is it gets them in a situation where, you know, it's an aggressive tactic. It's dark art. I'm telling you right now, it's dark art. If you use it as dark art, understand that you could get some negative reaction from it. Yeah. All right. Um, but what happens to me when people litter the lawn, I always try to bring the deal back to the individual case. I get it. We've had some rocky stuff happen in the past. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, it upsets me too, but let's talk about this deal. You follow me, I always try to bring it back, but so littering yeah, no, the I, lawn is I, another tactic.
0: yeah, no, I get it. I, I just want to emphasize you know reemphasize that that Ron's not saying we go out and litter the lawn um, but if somebody's if somebody's being aggressive with us, if yes. they're saying, here's you know take it or leave it, and you've you've worked with them on on multiple jobs, I mean it might it might be that you need to get a little aggressive to defend your price
1: 100 percent you know I mean? yeah, by the so, way, you can litter the lawn in a positive way too. And I'm okay. going to show you how to do that. Okay. I, hey, look, just to make sure that this job went well, I went ahead and upgraded the grout. Okay. I went ahead and I went ahead and kept the job site cleaner than you expected. Yeah. I went ahead and you see what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, I like and that. And so you can litter the lawn in a positive way, okay. or you can be very aggressive and talk about all the negative crap that happened as well. My suggestion yeah. as a seller is do it in a positive way. As yeah. a buyer, if you're going against, um, a company that you know—it's a transactional deal, and it's just about getting a best deal possible. Um, buying a car, I, I like to do because everybody hates buying a car. You know, then litter away, man. Yeah, I would yeah. go as deep as like you know. I read your Twitter Twitter feed, and I don't like your stance on gun control. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, all right. Do so your homework. You <laughs> Take it to leave it as an opening demand is pretty tough.
0: All right, tile friends. I hope you enjoyed that tile money tip with Ron. I really enjoyed uh, what he was saying there with the take it or leave it and how we can counter that. Now, friends, I want to encourage you if you're enjoying this episode or these podcast episodes, please make sure you're subscribing so that you will get notified as I release more episodes. And I want to encourage you to share this with another tile contractor. If you'd like to receive my weekly newsletters, please go to tilemoney.com and fill out the subscribe button. Give me your email address and I'll make sure to put you on the email newsletter list. All right, friends, stay profitable out there. Hope you're having a good week.